Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 33 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, it's TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on? We're about seven days into 2023, and I find myself in survival mode, PT. I've no idea what's going on from day to day. It's like six months ago. Why is the world already weird? Well, first off, Happy New Year to you. Yeah. Happy New Year to you as well. You know, we're into the crux of 2023 in our first show proper in 2023. And we are only roughly a week's time into 2023. And it's been quite the interesting series of events. Banger matches, returns, debuts, and return of another sort just got announced in the couple past days that seems to have rocked the world of professional wrestling. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, don't worry, we're not going to talk about that return, at least not until, you know, the end of the world happens and all our fears are realized and, you know, the bad stuff happens. So. That's fine, but everything else has just been weird. Weird is definitely an understatement, so perhaps we got a small reprieve from a trip into paradise for just a little bit, but now we are on at the gates of something potentially very, very strange and awkward that we, like you aforementioned, will have us going back to about six months ago in the summertime, so begs to be yeah. seen at the moment, but... Yeah, certainly interesting news yet again to start our year off. In a weird fashion. We we thought it was we thought it was going to be good and just in case, you know, anybody is wondering. Yes, we're talking about the recent news of VKM. No, I don't want to talk about them, but just in case anybody was confused by us trying to dodge what was being said, I thought I'd point that out. Um yeah, we thought we were going to continue and that the only thing that we were going to have to worry about in WWE was whether or not they were going to pull the trigger on ending the bloodline or when Cody was coming back to win everything and just be the big dog. Um, but yeah, like other than that, uh, this past week has shown us uh, some really good wrestling matches um, and uh, one heck of a, a Wrestle Kingdom uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, anybody who caught our shows previously will know that my first foray into uh, the G1 Climax, the summertime there, I absolutely loved every se- every single second of it. And um, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom 17 was uh, an absolute banger. Oh, 100%. It was just so many good matches there. Arguably, it was one of the kind of better ones in a quite number of years, obviously, with the crux of the kind of pandemic and things of such. There was folks that were unavailable to travel to Japan and kind of the sort of crowd situation. So from a presentation, from a talent standpoint, it was a little bit different in the last couple ones. That notwithstanding, this particular Wrestle Kingdom, very, very strong. It reminds me of ones that were like three or four years ago, where it's just, again, taking nothing away from the roster, but just, yeah, just loaded with talent and just really strong matches. And I mean, honestly, for the most part, if you're not familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Wrestle Kingdom 
is the January 4 show that happens every year that is equivalent to a uh, WrestleMania for those folks familiar with WWE. But yeah, just a really, really phenomenal show. And we're going to chat a little bit about it today. Yeah, at least a couple of matches anyway. A couple of revelations, things that happened. Uh, some that were way better than others. All right, well, as we get into the uh, show here, we appreciate you folks joining us, and we hope that you had a wonderful 2022 and Happy New Year to you for 2023. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form, youtube.com slash Council, and in audio form, wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada win championships at Wrestle Kingdom 17. And Mercedes Monet makes her debut, challenges Kyrie for the IWGP Women's Championship. Monet. 100%. But coming up first. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay have quite the match at Wrestle Kingdom 17. That, 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 is, that is one way to describe it, PT. Definitely a contest between two athletes happened. Uh, I'm not 100% sure everybody would be so agreeable as to call this quite a match. Some people probably out there absolutely, absolutely loathe both of these individuals. I think the performance that they gave us was uh, fantastic. Um, and honestly, I just, I, I just love these two guys. I think they're, they're great. Quite the interesting character, too. Obviously, folks are probably a little bit more familiar with Kenny Omega from now mainstream with AEW in the United States. I mean, he's coming off of his work from New Japan and being pretty much the, uh, the number one gaijin or, or non-Japanese wrestler there for quite the number of years, especially leading up in 20, late 2017 to 2018 and then leaving for AEW in the U.S. in 2019. But Will Ospreay, fantastic talent, the aerial assassin. He, as well as Jay White, which we will talk about later on in the show, are pretty much the two guys that I would see from a Gaijin standpoint stepped up and have been sort of the top non-Japanese talent in New Japan after Kenny Omega left. And as we'll talk about in this show, these guys just are showing what they are, what they're worth, and just putting on performances that definitely deserve a main event of the major show of the company. Oh, 100%. Both of these guys, uh, both the guys you mentioned, Jay White and Will Ospreay, uh, fantastic representations of uh, foreign talent uh, in New Japan. Um, the that both of these matches were obviously it being a double main event um both of these matches being about 30 35 minutes long and yeah it was a perfect end to a really 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 good show um like i can't say enough good things about it honestly yeah we tend to agree so well for this one we'll just talk a little bit about the match and uh, likewise with the jay white and kazuchika okada match just kind of thoughts and impressions and kind of just what we are just impressions and, and feels regarding it. So 
as we get into the Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay match. This is actually only the second one-on-one -on -one match between these two men. They have faced off one other time in PWG, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. That was on December 12th, 2015, where Kenny won over Will Ospreay. But into the match at Wrestle Kingdom 17, this was definitely a high-intensity matchup between these two. Early in the match, they foreshadowed some of that intensity to come by each competitor throwing the other into the ringside barrier very viciously. Omega even takes off one of the turnbuckle pads, uh, which Kenny ends up kicking Osprey full force into said exposed turnbuckle, which looked absolutely nasty. Oh, yeah. Uh, the two men make their way onto the apron. Osprey hits Kenny with a stiff thrust kick, and Osprey goes for an Oz cutter off the ring post. Kenny holds on to the ring ropes. Osprey takes that nasty spill onto the apron, and that the sound of Will just hitting the apron, that thud, oh, that was brutal. Kenny then pulls out a table and lays it on top of Osprey and hits a double stomp, which actually Kenny breaks through the table. And for those familiar, Japanese tables are very, very hard. They're usually not gimmicked like the ones we see in the uh, AEW and WWE. So to actually break the table was actually something very, very kind of hard hitting for sure. I have seen some spots with Japanese tables and there is no give. And then you see this. And from where he landed with that double stomp, and it was just for the, for the wood just to cave in, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are laying it in tonight, boys. Yeah. Mm. All right. So after the stomps through the table, Osprey comes back to suplex Kenny on the exposed metal frame of the same table and then hits a sky twister press onto Kenny on the outside, which was just so graceful and phenomenal. Back in the ring, Osprey hits a forearm to the back of Kenny's head off the top rope for just a two count. Kenny responds with a V trigger to the back, a poison Rana and an Ushiguroshi for just a two as well. I don't know how Osprey kicked out of that. Osprey dodges a dragon suplex off the top, which I can't even imagine had Kenny hit that. Would have been just devastating. It would have been just another two count, but still. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure, because we got a, lot of, got a lot of spots to get to, brother. Oh, we got a lot. <laughs> but Osprey dodges that dragon suplex off the top, flips out of it, hits a corkscrew kick to the head of Kenny and an Oz cutter for once again, another two count. Just another two count. Yeah, so, um, and then Kenny uh, takes a cheeky Nando's in the corner and which this is where Kenny's eye begins to swell up. And later when we see it, New Year's dash the next day, you see he has a, a wonderful shiner, a black eye. Uh, both men standing on the top rope. Kenny hits a DDT into the top exposed turnbuckle. And at this, this point, Osprey is busted wide open. So I'm just giving you sort of the, the bigger highlights of this match, but this is uh, pretty much basically the first sort of half of the match, roughly, you know, 20 plus minutes or so. And when I mentioned high intensity of this match, these guys... Definitely, we're showing you what you got in some hard hitting spots. Oh, yeah, you weren't kidding like 100%, like high octane, absolutely heavy hitting. But I want to rewind a little bit if I, if I can, just to the very, very start of this. 
with the entrances. Now, I rest the kingdom that you mentioned at the very start is the New Japan version of uh, uh, WrestleMania. And uh, the entrances for this event have been absolutely amazing. And being a bit of a Final Fantasy nerd, I did geek out to whenever, uh, whenever Kenny came out to just that absolute amazing visual of uh, just Sephiroth's theme. The one winged angel just coming out, and then him in that get up, and then throwing out the big black wing, and then the big cheeky grin. And he, I, I have loved Kenny since I found out that his move is called the one winged angel. Like, I've just been uh amazed at that. And the fact that he came out in this get up was just so visually appealing to me. And then he comes down, followed by Will Ospreay. It's flanked by the entire empire, and you're just like, oh no, Kenny's by himself, but Will has the United Empire, and these boys just came out looking so good. Everybody was just fresh, clean. He came out in his uh, in his assassin gear, looked absolutely menacing with the goat on the the knee pads as well, which I like the the look of, and uh, yeah. The reason I wanted to go back and mention that is because after that DDT where uh, Will then spilled to the outside, that's where the Empire came and had to, they had to rush to their guy. Like, they had to rush to their guy to see, well, what's going on? Because that was the really, really good part about this. The Empire just, they, they did not interfere, but they were completely uh, distraught and clearly worried about their boss taking the big bump um uh at this point in the match yeah 100 percent. that's good to note like you had mentioned the sort of being the one of bigger shows and arguably the biggest show of the year for new japan staging the uh the long rampway again for those that aren't familiar it happened in the uh the tokyo dome so this is an actual stadium uh where the uh the giants play the yomiuri uh giants tokyo giants play uh baseball so again large stadium huge stage long ramp grand presentation and these guys did a phenomenal job the aforementioned will osprey coming out with his contingent the united empire the piece here is a lot of times what's a little bit different from uh, north american or western wrestling too is you'll have the members of factions it's very common and this will happen in stardom the women's promotion as well as new japan members of your faction to second you to the ringside and it's more common to kind of see that sometimes we get to see it a little bit more often than maybe like a, a wwe or aw but yes we had the whole pretty much the whole contingent of the united empire out there and that's a very excellent observation that although kenny did come out with don Callis, he was there was no interference from him likewise with the members of the united empire and we just let these guys just Go at it, fast break, high octane offense. And to this point, yes, this is when we definitely saw when Osprey takes a moment on spills to the outside and takes powder. This is when you see these, the United Empire check on him. And this is again where we see Osprey getting some color and getting busted wide open. So, thank, yeah, thank you for reiterating. It was just it was just more the fact that I whenever they had the entrance, it was the first time we saw them. And then at this point was like legitimately during the match was the first part 
that I even twigged they were still there. I thought they'd they'd gone away, gone to the back and whatever, because they'd done the entrance and that's how that people would normally do. They would just kind of spill out the back. And Don making his fashionably late entrance, I think was it uh, Kevin Kelly had said or someone on the desk said his fashionably late entrance as he came in the side to help Kenny. Um, but yeah, he he just moved his way over to the desk. So the invisible hand was definitely felt, unfortunately. Um, but uh, the fact that these guys just did spill over and, and kind of look after uh, after uh, Will, like honestly, I'm surprised that you know, we hadn't heard them before, but this DDT to the exposed turnbuckle looked absolutely devastating. I did rewind it a few times to look at it and just be like, did I just see that like did they did they botch a move? Did they you know no, he honestly DDT'd him to the turnbuckle and it was as bad as it should have looked. And uh or it looked as bad as it should have been rather, and it was just oh, this is still so bloody good. It was well, well received, well delivered, uh, well presented. Absolutely. We get back into the match as well, and this is Osprey still on the outside. And Kenny hits a graceful tope to Osprey on the outside, and then bashes Will's head through the already broken table, which showing a very, very vicious side of Kenny in this matchup. Kenny continues to pour on the offense to a staggered Osprey, including a stiff-looking pile driver, and then a couple of snap dragon suplexes. Kenny then hits a V trigger to Osprey, causing. Uh, will to go to the outside. Kenny, sitting on the top rope, reverses a Hurricane Rana attempt, dumping Osprey's face onto the exposed turnbuckle. That was another spot that just looked so rough. It was him in the jaw at that point, right? Yeah. The two guys standing on the top rope, and it, you know, obviously you don't want them to you know, fall off or, uh, for, for goodness sakes, fall to the outside because they were just up high. You know, it's, a, it's a longer drop, but Looked, um, you know, they were helping each other a little bit, but yeah, just they landed on a spot where Osprey hits his face uh, onto to the turnbuckle. So that was that was rough. Hmm. So we have that spot off the turnbuckle into an immediate V trigger to a slumped Will, and Kenny hits a top rope German suplex, which was absolutely crazy. We do have to mention though. Yeah. We have to mention he went for the one-winged angel and turned it into a top rope German, and that was seamless because yeah. there was no way Will was letting that happen. And you honestly have to see how seamless this was. It was bloody beautiful. Hundred percent. So out of that, into that top rope German suplex, into another V trigger yet again for only a two count. As the matchup continues, so. it was loads of V triggers and loads of two counts. Just in case you're wondering. hundred percent. And then we see Osprey fires up with some chops and some Kawada kicks, so really getting back into it. It's a sit-out powerbomb for yet another two-count. Osprey hits a Chelsea grin, two hidden blades, and an Oz cutter from the top rope for yet again another two-count. Will counters a Stormbreaker attempt into a one-winged angel attempt into a Styles clash. Then Will hits a vicious hidden blade after all that for yet again another two-count. Finish of the match comes as both men stand off in the middle of the ring, exchanging strikes, and he hits a straight jacket, German suplex, followed up by a vicious knee strike, and a one-wing angel for the victory, and as new IWGP United States heavyweight champion in 34 minutes, 
38. It was one hell of a match. Kenny hit that one wing angel and it was over. It's over. Yeah. There's just, there's uh, no one unless you're called uh, Kota Ibushi that you're not, you're not kicking out of that move. Um, so, I mean, there's a couple of spots in here that I really do enjoy um, about, about these two guys going for, uh, going for everything. The constant threat of the one-winged angel, which you saw, and you will see in NJPW matches, you see people threatening their big finishers early and in any position, because like in any position, you should want to win. So you're going to try and break out your big move. And will always counters, or you know something happens. So, like we said on the top on the top rope, whenever uh, the woman angel attempt was cancelled, he threw he threw him into a German. Absolutely beautiful. You see uh, the woman angel attempt, and then it follows up into a Styles clash from Will Osprey, poetically onto Kenny Omega, and then you just see the resurgence of Will Osprey into the Hidden Blades. Uh, you see him do the Oz cutter. You see him do his own uh, his own uh, offense in this match, only for it to be all foiled just by V trigger after V trigger after knee after you know uh, snapdragon suplexes. You know it, it was just absolutely insane the amount of moves these guys were throwing at each other. And what I love about it is the. Whenever somebody did hit a big move, it felt and looked impactful. And the other guy, this late in the match, who'd also taken all that, all that pain, all that damage, wasn't sitting, you know, hulking up, brother. He wasn't trying to go for that big finish. He was honestly down for the count. And you saw Will in the corner trying to just struggle off with that, uh, with that um, elbow brace. He takes that off just to give the hidden blade to the face because he wanted he wanted Kenny to see this coming this time at the very end and it still wasn't enough. But a defiant Will Ospreay spitting in the face of Kenny Omega sealed his own fate with that last knee strike. He just spat in his face, took the knee strike, took the one-winged angel, and then that was it. You know, he was out for the count. It was... A really, really cool way to end this match, and it's to show how determined each guy was and how brutal each guy was willing to be. It's a definitely one of those, especially in these big time matches for a title and and basically a, what is a double main event that you wanna you wanna harm your opponent and you definitely wanna try to go for those big moves. And we see seen a number of them, Osprey actually hitting a number of Oz cutters. So some hidden blades, Kenny hitting some knees, some stiff knees, and, and some other high impact offense. But yet the only time he ended up hitting his finisher, the one wing angel, actually sealed the deal. So very telling for sure that these guys just left it all out in the ring. And, you know, the matchup was here 34 minutes plus. You can tell these guys could have gone a lot longer for sure, because they got some good cardio, but I felt like the the sort of wave or the the telling of the match was very very good good back and forth each guy's got some heat but man it was just a fantastic match i only sort of hit on these the sort of highlights of it we definitely suggest if you have an opportunity and the wherewithal to definitely watch this match it's about a half hour 34 about 35 minutes long old uh, uncle dave dave melzario wrestling observer newsletter gave this match six and a quarter stars honestly 
If this is the only match from Wrestle Kingdom that you watch, watch this match. Not for Dave Meltzer's rating, not for us talking about how good it is, just for the entrances alone, for how awesome they were, and for several of the spots in here that just show you what two individuals at these guys' level can do if allowed to go out and give a really good performance. Because uh, as much as people want to, you know, rag on Kenny and Will for, you know, who, who they are as people, because they're cheeky people, you know, they always like to give back and forth. Um, and they're very, very straight with their words. These guys put on one heck of a show, and I can still see Will Ospreay's face as he's lying there in the middle turnbuckle that's exposed, about to take a V-trigger to the back of the head, and just seeing his face before and after, and you just look at it and go, like, this is this is amazing. This is brutal, and these guys are just amazing at this. So, 100%. If you only watch one match from WrestleKingdom 17, make sure it's this one. 100% agreed. So, really, really great matchup here. As we see Kenny Omega come victorious and come away yet again holding the IWGP United States Championship. Where do you think maybe is next for these guys? We'll start with Kenny being the US champ. Do you see him? Obviously, he's going to make appearances in AEW, more presumably with their working relationship showing the belt. So, do you maybe, who do you think maybe is a, a next challenger, shall we say, for the new champion? So I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think I already know who the next challenger is. And I think by that smile, you know who the next challenger is. And you know that I like this next challenger. That man is Jeff Cobb. What? Yes, please. I'm actually super stoked. I want to see Jeff Cobb versus Kenny Omega. Jeff Cobb needs the surfboard uh, Kenny Omega so bad. Um, and I think the best part of the, about this is that it will be a bit of a grudge match with the fact that Jeff Cobb is part of the United Empire. And um, yeah, I, I love the fact that this is possibly the next match. Um, so after having cheated there, I will you know maybe go a bit down the line and uh, say that I hope to see uh, Kenny back in Japan in the mid uh, in mid spring, in early summer, uh, taking on whoever else needs to slash uh, is available at the time. Maybe some Bullet Club members. Um, you could probably see uh, some Bullet Club members in there taking on uh, taking on Kenny, uh, but I don't think will is going to be challenging for that title again. Uh, at least not after his comments at the uh, at the after show, really. Yeah, 100% agreed. If I'm not mistaken, Kenny made the Jeff Cobb challenge at, after New Year's Dash, I believe. Was that correct, Joker? I think okay. so. It was, after, it was after that, yeah. Sounds good. But that notwithstanding, besides the old Jeff Cobb, big beefy boy slapping meat, which I would love to see him in agreements with you. Just random thought, because you mentioned his Bullet Club. I would love to see a Kenny Omega and Kenta match. Just two guys just taking seven shades out of one another and just going ham. So I would definitely like to see that match for, uh, for the title. I would really like to see that on Chase Owens. I would like to see Chase Owens uh, come back. Uh, I believe he's out injured at the minute. Uh, rehabbing and stuff. Um, Chase Owens be super good. I remember watching a, a match with him and Jay White over in the G1 Climax, and Chase was amazing. 
uh yeah 100 kanto would be great i think that'll be fantastic um even uh possibly uh tjp as well from united empire too like i think that'll be a pretty solid match uh but yeah there's there's a couple there's a few people that i can think of that would be really really good now you know that my brain is sort of warming up to the thought of what their names are because i can see their faces but i can never remember names um but yeah definitely those would be uh some top prospect yeah i think of all the folks that we had mentioned we would definitely love to see any of those matches and in terms of Will Ospreay losing the championship and yet another match to Omega, I think after the post-match press conference for Wrestle Kingdom, he mentioned something to the effect of he's given himself one year, one year to make himself better and, and kind of be on top of the game type of piece. But where where do you maybe see Will kind of going or what sort of next kind of in your mind for, for Will now? You can't tell... Will Ospreay to do anything. Like, Will Ospreay will uh, just do whatever the heck Will Ospreay wants to do. Um, and he, in uh, the uh, inter- the after-match interviews, he did say that he sacrificed enough and he doesn't want to sacrifice anymore. Uh, he's sick of sacrificing. Uh, he's, you know, there was a very heartfelt, um, emotional interview because... Uh, nobody wanted to ask him questions. The visual of him uh, drenched in sweat with caked on blood on his face, uh, you know, the, the strapped up hands and, and everything um, throughout the match. It was a very striking visual of a broken man. Um, and that's why it's really hard for me to even consider what's next, because how do you pull yourself together? Uh, and that is where he came up with, he's going to give himself one year to get back on track. Um, hopefully that is inclusive of next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, but I'm not a hundred percent sure where this would take him. Um, to be to be a cheeky backseat booker, I want to go a year in the future and say that he will be in the main main event of Wrestle Kingdom 18, uh, with the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, and wins that match or is you know is out of the company at that point um it's definitely there's there's a lot to be said for will osprey's work ethic over the the pandemic era uh, i think that he has made it clear himself that he has worked uh really really hard during this uh this era and it's had a real drain on him so if he wants to take some time off i think you know fair enough to him yeah i see if you there's a photo floating around twitter if i'm not mistaken of just Will with his head down post-match and he's just scarred up and, and with the marks of the chops and all the strikes and stuff and he's just looking rough. So I could see him just taking taking a little bit of time, uh, having some matches uh, a little bit more into the spring and then probably having a really strong matchup at Dominion around June. So I could definitely see something like that to kind of get the ball rolling on, you know, kind of his thing into into the G1 and things of that nature. So hopefully into a big match at Wrestle Kingdom next year. So I could definitely see something of that nature and definitely wish the best for Will and Kenny for sure. hundred percent. And now that you mentioned that, I want to see Will win the G1. There we go. So I wouldn't be mad he at was that. So, he was so close this year against Okada, like so close against Okada that I need to see him win G1. Um, yeah, hundred percent. 
I wouldn't be mad at that either. So those are our thoughts on the Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay match from Wrestle Kingdom 17. Definitely check it out for sure. We highly recommend it. But uh, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and let us know what your thoughts were on the U.S. Championship match between Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. All right, coming up to our next topic here, the show, the match that actually ended the Wrestle Kingdom 17 matchup here, Kazuchika Okada taking on IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White. This was another just, ooh, quite the, quite the fun matchup in, in a different aspect where you had the previous matchup here with Kenny and Will, just like we said, high octane, fast break offense, just super heavy hitting. This was a little bit of a different kind of style. Hard hitting as well, but kind of like differently paced and just kind of a little bit more tactical and technical and things of such. So still equally enjoyable for sure. Yeah, if you get the chance to watch two matches uh, from Wrestle Kingdom 17, make sure this is the second match that you watch um, because it'll give you a really big, uh, a really, really big look into the different psychology between these four guys. Like the, the, the first two, uh, the first match with the first two guys was very physical. was very demanding on uh, on their athletic ability, um, and like you said, this you know there's there's a very tactical sort of play style from uh, from Jay White in all his matches. He's very psychological. He's he's very very smart and is the top guy in uh, NJPW for a reason, and he's he's the top guy in NJPW for a reason. At the start of this match, uh, he he is um, nothing if not the consummate unprofessional uh, with his uh, two sweets and his uh, yeah his Okada claps and you know all this here. I I both love and hate Jay White, and in this match, you'll see why. Oh, I'd agree 100%. So before we kick into the match proper, it's of note that uh, Jay White holds a 4-1 to one record in singles matches over Kazuchika Okada. So Jay winning the series so far, 4-1. to one. But as Joker mentioned before the men touch, Jay White works the crowd by urging the crowd to chant for Okada. And I have a little bit of a note here that Jay... He has this connection with the crowd when he when he shows elements of kind of being a, a bit of a tweener or just being a heel. He has this connection with uh, the Japanese audience that he can just definitely get a reaction out of them and kind of at times have them the crowd themselves in the palm of his hand. And I just had to sort of highlight that because this was just one instance of him just being a jerk now that these sort of. uh restrictions have been lifted and we can have a bit more cheering for the Japanese crowd. He took advantage of that and had them as a smarky heel, have them cheer for Okada. It like, it's okay. Okada, Okada. So I had to definitely highlight that. Oh, a hundred percent. But he did it at G1 as well when they refused to cheer. And that's why I loved this callback because like the G1, he was clapping and he was, you know, a really smarmy grin on his face. Like, Okada, Oh God! And they they wouldn't do it. And he was like, just given. He was given off to the crowd. He was like, 
you should cheer, you just cheer for Okada and all this here. And then this time, as you know, he was starting the claps, they clapped with him, forgetting maybe for a moment that they couldn't cheer for Okada because he ha- he's in the crowd's mind as well. It's like, you know, he's got them clap along and they remember, you can cheer now. You know, he's, he's stopped clapping, cheer for Okada. And you never see, and this is probably where a lot of people get uh, dissociated from NJPW, because you will never see a wrestler get the crowd behind the other wrestler intentionally. You don't see Roman out there going, Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, you know, and all this here. You, you don't, you don't see that. You don't see anybody in AEW cheering for the other guy. In fact, you would never see MJF trying to get somebody, uh, somebody over at his expense either. So to see this guy out here poking fun at the crowd, and he's doing this so that he can kind of taunt them and be like, "I'm gonna beat your favorite," and that's that's why I love and I hate Jay White. Smart heel taps the temple, brother. Oh, definitely really just wonderful just heel work out there for sure. All right, the men start with some lockups and some strikes. So again, taking a little bit more of a, a tactical approach here. Jay takes control after a Saito suplex. And then on the outside, White drives Okada into the barricade and drops Okada onto the apron with a front-facing suplex, which once again, call back to the previous match. That's that thud when Okada landed uh, face or belly first on the apron just ooh, sounded rough mm. then jay drops okada onto the ropes inside the ring with another front suplex uh filled up and then uh followed up rather with a double underhook suplex right into the turnbuckle which again looked rough okada actually kind of landed sort of high on his shoulders and neck but that was only for a two count okada takes control after he hits a ddt uh, after hitting an elbow and a flapjack, Okada drop kicks Jay to the outside. They make their way to the rampway, and Okada wonderfully hits a double CDT to both the Jay White and uh, Gato on the rampway. <laughs> I love Gato. I think he is he's an absolutely amazing addition to Jay White's shtick, because you just hear Gato's voice in the background go, Jay, no! And then he just runs up, and he's like, don't try to get involved in all this here. Gato is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, for those that aren't aware, Gato was, uh, was sort of a mentor to Kazuchika Okada, but then turned his back and aligned with Jay White. So a little context and history for you there. All right, back in the ring with a wonderful missile drop kick and a money clip. But Jay escapes and hits a deadlift German suplex again, hitting and showing the strength of Jay White there. Blade Buster from Jay for two count, and then a Fisherman Brain Buster for yet another two count. Jay goes for some hard chops, but Okada no sells, as he tends to do sometimes, and then hits a drop kick of his own onto Jay. And after numerous counter, Okada locks in the money clip again, hits a spinning tombstone and a stiff looking lariat, and into the money clip again, locks it in for a moment. Jay looks definitely in some serious trouble, but scrambles and makes his way to the rope and breaks it up, the submission. So, again, we have sort of the kind of first half of this matchup here. A little bit different style, a little bit different paced. Still hitting some high, uh, high impact offense, but a little bit different look from these guys. Uh, folks might be a little bit more in tune to the sort of uh, allegorical 
a little bit of Randy Orton elements, a little bit of Triple H where we're doing, it's not, you know, high spot, high spot, high spot, just for an example, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you hard, hit you, be very, very calculated with what each man are trying to hit on their opponent. Definitely the comparisons I would make to people who you would recognize, uh, Randy Orton, Triple H, the guys who, um, they take a spot, they have a heavy hand, they, they hit that heavy move and they take a second to appreciate what they've done as opposed to chain wrestling where, you know, you're going from one move into the next, you're going from the next move, you're always trying to find that. It's, it's completely different from what you saw in the previous match where the guys only took a break when they were both down. Whereas in this one, Jay White, whenever he is in the lead and he's taking, he's got those big chops. He's he's throwing up the two sweets. He's you know getting the crowd behind Okada to try and get them to cheer, to try and get them to to clap along. Um, he is the one you know taking the breather while his opponent's down. Obviously, giving his opponent some time to recuperate as well. But you have this guy who is taking his time, being methodical. And making sure whenever he does a move, it counts. So whenever you see Okada no sell the uh, no sell the chops, which is it's a frequent thing that NJPW wrestlers do in general. Like I think Will did it in the previous match. Maybe even Kenny did it too. And there was instances throughout this show where someone would get hit with a stiff chop. Not everyone is Minoru Suzuki, okay? But everyone likes to think they are. So they will take one stiff chop and they will just look at you like you did nothing and then they'll give you another one and then they'll keep. But uh, I do like to see that sort of, you know, I got hit. I'm not going to, you know, crumple and fall. I'm going to stand up and you know, my fight or flight is now activated. I'm going to fight you. And then I'm going to get smacked back down again. I like to see it. It's interesting. And for me, it's something different because I'm just used to guys getting hit and them going down and acting like it's the end of the world. Agreed. I think the piece that, or the notion that you mentioned, a methodical, definitely you had the piece of, I'm going to hit the moving sort of let it breathe. And you're right, Jay White just, he played to the crowd and much like sort of a Western style where you kind of do the acknowledgement piece, juxtaposed to the previous match where it was just move, move. You didn't have too much play, really, if at all, with the, the crowd itself. So. Yeah, and definitely a, a tactical, a different pace for sure. And the, the aforementioned spot of Okada no-selling a just stiff-sounding chop, it definitely wasn't overplayed. I, you know, I watched the, the Wrestle Kingdom itself. I really didn't kind of see that. Or it was played to Jay was hitting offense, boom, you know, you hit that chop, but I'm making my comeback. So it kind of it fit well in the context of the match. So I, I agree. There's times when it's sort of an accurate or a good way to kind of play into the story of the match. Mm, 100%, 100%. It's not like it's a Hogan hulking up kind of thing where, you know, everybody just starts to hulk out and shake their you know, hands, get all, you know, shake and, you know, and just look like they're being really weird. But still, it, like I said, it, it really plays well into the comeback sequence of events. And yeah, 100%, even though I said it's, it's something everybody does, it's not like everybody does it every five minutes. It's, it is something that everybody employs, but um, is something that is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, everyone has their little different kind of play on, I'm going to make my comeback. So, All right, so after Jay spills to the outside after being locked in the money clip, we have Okada nails uh, Gato and then hits a flipping senton onto White and Gato on the outside, which 
and very graceful for a rather larger guy, if I'm not mistaken. Okada's what, 6'4"-ish as he's well. Huge. Yeah, he's tall. If you looked at when they, Jay and Okada, sort of did the standoff kind of at, at points in the match, you know, obviously Okada's taller, but, you know, it's one of those things that you don't necessarily would see it outwardly unless he's kind of next to folks, so. For sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so after that flipping senton, we get a diving elbow off the top rope once again inside the ring, and uh, Okada goes for a rainmaker, but Jay drops to the mat, and this was actually a wonderful counter, because these, once again, these men have had uh, five one-on-one matches in addition to having numerous tag and eight-man tag matches in different iterations, but they face each other a lot, and the simple fact that Kind of going for that rainmaker, but the simple counters just dropped to his knees. And Jay, if I'm not mistaken, tapped his temple and acknowledged it. But yeah, really, really smart. Move. He had this big grin on his face, like, what you gonna do now? I'm down here. It was yeah, 100 it was beautiful. It's a smart move. Uh after that, the men exchange strikes, but Jay drops uh to the mat exhausted. So you can tell definitely they're getting to that point where the initial adrenaline is there and they're kind of have to uh, kind of pull it together. So Gato distracts the referee, Red Shoes, uh, and Jay tries to go for a low blow, but is struck and cut off by Okada before he can do so. So that was a really, really good matchup uh, piece. A little story beat in the match, and you can tell by the fact that after, during the distraction by Gato of Red Shoes, Okada sort of knew it was coming, but he cut him off before Jay could actually do it. So wonderful piece there. Yeah, anytime you see like the, the interaction of the the guy coming in and going, I'm going to distract the referee. You know the low blow is coming and the over-exaggerated arm of Jay White just to try and come off, kicked away and, you know, dealt with by Okada. It was, like, another thing, like, I have really enjoyed about these matches in NJPW is they take these tropes that we see all the time in Western wrestling and they acknowledge them and then they just laugh in their face at them because, you know, the whole, nobody acknowledges the fact that I've, you know, I'm so tired, so I fall into my you know knees to counter a move. It's like, no, Jay White falls to the ground and looks at his opponent, goes, <laughs> "I've got you now," and then you know counters the gets gets countered on the low blow. Things like this here, they're brilliant little things that I honestly wish we saw more of. Agreed. So after the uh, low blow attempt, uh, Jay ends up countering, hits a Uranagi to create some space. After a back suplex. Over the top rope to Okada, Jay hits a sleeper suplex and then a regal plex for a two count. A bloody Sunday by White, but Okada counters into a German suplex, holds on to his wrist. He hits two short arm clotheslines, scores a drop kick, and a landslide. But Jay counters with a blade runner for an extremely close two count. As we wind down here, Jay hits two stiff short arm clotheslines of his own. Jay goes for a blade runner, but Okada strikes with a rainmaker for Okada's very, very close two count. Finish of the match, we see both men exchanging some strikes. After a series of counters, Okada hits a blade runner on Jay, a Cobra Flosion, and a rainmaker to win the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. In 33 minutes, 3 seconds. Like I said, if you get to watch two matches from Wrestle Kingdom 17, make sure this is the second one. There was just a lot of a lot going on here, and not all of it was action. There was a lot of psychology and stuff involved. 
uh, by Jay White, you know, taking his time and all this here. I, one of my favorite spots, actually, it was a two-spot, was whenever Okada hit the Rainmaker and went for the Rainmaker pose, and, you know, you got that zoom out from the camera and you get to see the crowd and stuff, which I love. You know, it's, it's, it's akin to whenever, you know, the, the best friends give the hug to Orange Cassidy and uh, Excalibur's like, you got to give the people what they want. I keep hearing that in my head whenever Okada gets his Rainmaker pose off was whenever Jay White delivered the Rainmaker to Okada and then kind of lazily, sloppily did the same thing. And the cameraman kind of staggered and then did the zoom out for, for Jay White. <laughs> it was like, yes. So there was a lot of really cool spots in there. During that point, I think Rocky Romero was on commentary for this match and he kind of gives out to the, uh, to the cameraman. I was like, are you working for him or something? Like, yeah, that was a beautiful touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really liked that. I thought that that was, uh, that was especially uh, funny when it was like, I think the cameraman's on the take from Jay White or something, because seriously, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but for sure, like I said, I'm only kind of mentioning in terms of a little bit of a play-by-play for some of the highlights of this match. I'd agree with Joker once again. Definitely, if you have the opportunity and you have the wherewithal, watch this matchup. It's uh, about 33 minutes. But there were so many elements and some story beats and kind of flow to the match that I just happened not to mention. But this was just, again, definitely another fantastic matchup here. I've made note here that Uncle Dave of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer, gave this four and a half stars. Which was, again, just uh, another strong matchup for sure. So, Really, Dave? Four and a half, really? baby. Four and a half. Four and a half? I knew about the six and a quarter stars from Will and Kenny, but you're not doing yourself any favors here by not giving this five stars, at the least. This was such a good match and deserves that extra half a star. But let's face it, I don't put much stock by Dave's star ratings. I find it a comedic little piece that people do. But um, definitely a fun match. Um, Don't worry, I'll add the half star on. So there you go, it's five stars now with the Joker half star extra. Taking nothing away from Dave, he's been a journalist and a historian for 30, 40 some odd years in the wrestling business and the combat sports industry. He's, you know, he gives his impressions and his opinions on matchup. Folks get worked up over his rating for good or for bad. That notwithstanding, uh, it's just a a strong match that we'd agree that you definitely want to check out for yourself because it was just a, a fun watch. Oh, definitely. So with that, uh, with Okada winning the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, Joker, what do you feel like maybe could be next for Okada? Perhaps a next contender? So I, I, I saw during the, uh, the match that uh, Jay was a wee bit distracted during the early game. Didn't happen so much from the mid to late. But in the early goings of this match, he was a wee bit distracted, pointing out Mr. Tanahashi, uh, who was on guest commentary at the desk uh, for the Japanese announce team. So possibly could see um, Jay White versus Tanahashi. Um, not 100% sure where things go for Jay, because he always feels like he should be in and around the top title scene. So that's where my initial kind of thing goes where maybe he wants to try and direct his uh, rage and anger at uh, anybody else. All right, so that's good for Jay. What about uh, Mr. Okada with the actual champion himself? What do you feel? Um, 
I've, I'm immediately blanking on the name because it's really, really annoying. Uh, but he is going, he was actually challenged right after the match. And this is going to sound really bad that I can't remember their name. What's their name, PT? Remember who it was that, that challenged him directly after the match? Am I going to look like an idiot now? No, no. I, goodness gracious. You know their face? I do know their face. Why am I blanking on this? Uh, he got challenged after the match happened. Shingo Takagi. You know, can... Shingo, Shingo Takagi. Takagi. There you go. There it is. There it is. Takagi, who actually he went on a New Year's Dash, won the King Pro Wrestling, got the belt, and you know he's 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 uh, you know, say threatening. He's challenging for the IWGB uh, Heavyweight Title from Okada. So we know who their next opponent is. We do a lot of cheating here just because we watch the show. So. Even though I can't remember the names, I'm like I'm terrible with names. Okay, sue me. Um, so we know who the next opponent is, but we also know that Chingu Takagi actually has a little bit of interest from the Great Okan as well, who is the Rev Pro champion as well, which is kind of funny because that was a belt that Will Osprey used to hold as well as the IWGP US Heavyweight Title, which he doesn't hold anymore. So um, yeah, it's uh, we we know Okada's next stop. But uh, not a hundred percent sure how long Okada's going to hold on to this belt because who else is actually going to be a challenger for Okada this year? I feel like with twenty twenty three, we're opening it up a little bit more. Obviously, we've seen Okada face off against Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, sort of obviously the big hitters for sure. So I feel like. Takagi kind of going up and like, hey, Okada, I, I want to challenge you and kind of step up. I feel like it's a it'd be a kind of a, just a different or a little bit more of a fresher matchup. So in terms of Okada, I'm totally down to like see that matchup for sure. Mm. I could see someone from the United Kingdom trying to kind of step up and try to face Okada. You know, it might be a little bit different. I don't I don't want to say maybe Osprey right away, perhaps, but you know. I don't know if Great Okan is there yet or Jeff Cobb or things like that. So, you know, Aaron Hanare might need some more seasoning, things in that. But I wouldn't see somebody from the United Empire kind of going in there and at least maybe being after Takagi, perhaps. Well, if he was still in the company, TMDK's Jonah would have been a good one, considering he's already beaten Okada, a fact that he will not let you live down, and a fact that he should always. Never let you forget the fact that he did actually beat Okada. So, you know, maybe we could get a uh, WWE and JPW Forbidden Door and have uh, Big Doug go back and uh, beat Okada once again, become the IWGP heavyweight champion, then come back and beat Roman for the Universal Blue Belt. I'm just booking at Triple H. You should just take my advice here, buddy, okay? Strange things have happened to the start of 2023, so nothing explicitly is out of the realm of possibility, but I don't know. I could kind of see a little bit of that maybe after Takagi, and it comes to Jay White. Jay had a little bit of a moment with Okada after he put the belt around his waist and they had to exchange some words for... So I could I could see maybe not leaning, leaning more tweener, showing a little bit of babyface stuff, but still kind of being the guy, but, you know, not... I'm not saying he's not going to be a heel, but, you know, he kind of was like, you know, he gave a little bit of a respect. Like we had a hard match and you won type of thing. So 
Jay, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Uh, we could, uh, I definitely, to the point of him kind of chirping at Tanahashi, I would love to see Jay White and Tanahashi. That'd be super fun to watch for sure. So. All right. But those were our thoughts and ideas and notions about the Kazuchika Okada Jay White match at Wrestle Kingdom 17. Like we said, we definitely suggest you check it out if you have the opportunity to. Wonderful match and just all around solid as well. So if you have some thoughts, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts up on this matchup for Kazuchika Okada and Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom 17. All right, coming up to the other big story coming out of Wrestle Kingdom 17. Mercedes Monet making her debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, get into it here after Kyrie has a victory over Tam Nakano for the IWGP Women's Championship. Goes dark, and we see the entrance video, and Mercedes Monet makes her debut. For New Japan. Makes her way into the ring. Both women stand off. Kyrie holds up her IWGP Women's Championship. Mercedes extends a hand for Kyrie to shake. Mercedes pulls Kyrie in and hits what I believe was supposed to be a gory bomb DDT. And then Mercedes demands the microphone. She congratulates Kyrie on making history. Mercedes also knows a thing or two about making history. She's here in New Japan and stardom to make more. She introduces herself as the standard, the conversation, the blueprint, and the CEO of the women's division. In a battle in the Valley in San Jose, she'll leave Kyrie bankrupt. And you can bank on that for Monet. Mercedes holds up the women's championship before dropping it back on Kyrie, and they both make their exit. Out of the arena. Money. So this was quite the interesting blow up on social media. Uh, even that for me, it was about 3.30, 3.34am for me out here in the States where I'm located. But even too, this was blowing up on Twitter, brother. Certainly an impact. Yeah, it was it was a little bit later in the day for that than that for me. I I believe I got up and I managed to catch it live as it was happening. Uh, but then I had to go out pretty much straight after it, so I had time to sort of mull over and didn't really read any of the comments because I wanted to I did I wanted to leave Twitter alone because I hadn't watched the rest of Wrestle Kingdom after this point. So I left it well enough alone, uh, and I came back and I rewatched the segment. Mercedes Fernando looked really good coming down to the ring okay she her her ring attire her attire coming down to the ring looked really good in uh obviously the japanese flag colors uh with this beautiful crown and stuff she moved really well she looked fantastic absolutely amazing uh presence coming to the ring gets into the ring um, you know has uh, i believe one of the young boys actually held up in the ring ropes for i can't remember if it was or not uh, and then she gets in, and uh, that's whenever I first twig that in the background, all I keep hearing is Monet, 
Manet every couple of seconds. And then I twigged to her music. And I'm like, what is this god-awful noise? Why is she saying Manet like that? What is, what is, why are my senses being assaulted right now by this cacophony of, I to swear, but cacophony of terribleness, let's just call it. Um, she gets into the ring, you know, standoff with Kyrie, like you said. Um, and then I, I, you showed me a, a video of what the move was meant to look like, so I, I believe we can place the, the pseudo-botch of the move on Kyrie for not knowing how this move was meant to be taken. But why does this move exist? It looks awful. It has no visual appeal. It is awkward. And if anyone out there in the Indies, because PT told me there are people in the Indies that use this move, would like to stop using this move, please do so now. Because you just saw how terrible it looks on the big screen. Please do not use this move. It's a DDT with extra steps. What are you doing? Like, at least come up with something a little bit flashier. Maybe even, I don't know, a running DDT. I don't know. Do something stupid. Don't do a gory, awkward DDT. It looked terrible. And then the promo happened. And I kind of wish it had to stop the gory awfulness, but it didn't. She had to tell us who she was, as if we didn't already know who she was. Now, granted, maybe the Japanese crowd didn't know who she was, but I'm pretty sure they didn't know who she was after the promo either. The promo was a little bit awkward. Uh, she was just trying to sell herself uh, as being this big deal and used all the different words for boss that she could. Um, and honestly, I feel like blueprint and conversation are used by other people in other uh, in other promotions. And, you know, kind of a wee bit awkward that you have to use CEO because it sounds terrible compared to boss. It's CEO time, cries Michael Cole in SmackDown. Uh, it really doesn't have the same ring to it. And then she just kind of walks away. And fair enough. If it had ended there, it would have been sufficiently awkward. But I'm kind of going to go on a little bit and let you know there was a press conference afterwards. At which point, she asked, are there any questions? And there were crickets. At which point, she told us all about herself again. And when asked, what Joshi wrestlers are you most looking forward to wrestling? She listed a couple of people, and one of them was retired. I have it here for context. Mercedes mentions Aja Kong, Nami Toyota, which of course is retired, AZM, Azumi, and Miho. She mentioned these people, and she took a pause as if to think of the next one, and she actually mentioned AZM, and then went, Right? Right? As if, praise me for knowing who that person is. Not gonna lie, I don't know many Joshi wrestlers, but still, it seems like neither does Mercedes Fernando, because it was really awkward at this point in time. It really sounds like I'm hating on her new character. And I kinda am, in a sense. I don't know how you thought, PT, but like you you know, you can you can let me know what you made what you, you took of it. In a wee second, it was just, I have so much about this that I disliked because I was, ex maybe my expectations were a bit high 
and they really fell short by the presentation of the music. Like her personal presentation, immaculate, amazing. She's never had a problem carrying herself to the ring and inside the ring. Uh, this one move really let her down. Like it was so awful and awkward and please get the heck rid of it. And then the promos, I've never been a big Sasha Banks promo guy myself. Um, and this kind of eh, shoved the awkwardness down my throat a little bit more. As well as, and here is the big crux of the point, what's with the name? It's Moan. It is honestly just Moan. Not within, you know, I'm not trying to say Moan, M-O-A-N, it's just Moan. It's like, there's no T to add to Monet. It is not how you pronounce Monet, which she wants us to call her. And it just, why not just go with Mercedes Varnado? It's such a cooler name. Anyway, rant over, PT. Let me know what you thought, because I'm sure people are, are you know, probably going to burn me at the stake for hating on Mercedes Varnado for that much. I'm hearing, I'm hearing the pitchforks and the torches coming now for uh, coming, Come at me. coming for Joker. Oh. Come at me. Let me know what you think because you know what? I don't give a crap. <laughs> that is literally what I thought about a terrible situation. It could have been better. It wasn't. No, I see. Kevin Kelly mentions on commentary that this is sort of the worst kept secret. And actually, in fact, New Japan actually announced ahead of time that Mercedes was going to be making an appearance at Wrestle Kingdom 17. So once that was sort of defined or sort of announced, I mean, we as fans, it has a huge expectations for Mercedes, which I think for anyone, no matter who it is, to be honest, it can be tough to live up to. I don't think we knew exactly what we were expecting. I know we feel like we were going to make an appearance, but like, in what context or what have you sort of we didn't have any idea so already we're already thinking of dream notions and ideas and regardless of whatever it was going to be it's going to be tough to live up to so i thought the mercedes's entrance presentation was was great the robe the crown she looked great like you mentioned too she always has a, a wonderful way to kind of exude sort of a star power element to her the robe was fantastic that kimono looking piece the crown uh, she was presented very, very well. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the katakana on the back of her kimono robe actually read uh, Banks, I believe. Feel free to let me know if, uh, if I heard that correctly or let me know what, if you found what that means. So nice little cheeky, cheeky element there. Um, when it came to the entrance theme... I honestly, like, I felt it was a bit distracting. Like, it had this vibe of, like, late 80s, early 90s kind of thing. Almost sounded like a little crisscross song there. Uh, shades of a little bit of uh, the AEW's best friends kind of mixed in. But I think when she actually made it to the ring, it actually kind of switched gears and had this kind of, like, whole different vibe. To, so, like, it was a different, almost like two songs kind of mashed together, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, almost like, hmm, maybe it's like, part one of the song, part two. So I, I don't know. I was kind of digging the sort of the second portion of the song's vibe a little bit more per se than, uh, than myself. So, and then Mercedes and Kyrie just, you know, didn't hit the, the gory bomb DDT clean. So I don't know if that's her new finisher per se, but it, 
for something a little bit more convoluted. Might have to take a, a couple practices, a couple goes at it, just to make sure it looks clean. It's not the kind of easiest thing to kind of roll off the back and then stand and then meet and then hit the DDT if that's in fact. So, you know, it's who knows, but you know, I think it's fair to say it looked a little rough, but yeah, take a little bit more practice to kind of go through it. And then when it comes to the promo, uh, to be fair, it's just pretty straightforward. Uh, she's here. She has a match in February. She's going to take the title. So wasn't kind of anything sort of over the top. You know, it's one of those things that you just, you'd be straightforward with it in terms of the time that you got and, and kind of make sure you look big time as anyone should and everyone should. So I thought the segment was fine, all things considered. You know, it's hard to live up to any and all those potential things that we could have been for her debut. I'm not sure anyone was expecting to kind of kind of come out of this, but we know she was going to make an appearance. And that notwithstanding, regardless of whether you were neutral about it, whether you liked it and whether you disliked it, she made a huge impact in social media and the internet wrestling community. So if that was the outcome, if that's our takeaway, then we hit a home run with that for sure. 100%. Like if that was the, the optic she was looking for, then fantastic. Um, obvious criticisms are obvious. You know, people are not always going to be on your side. Um, I one of our first videos was was asking for better for uh, for Sasha Banks and Naomi uh, Trinidad, who who uh, was actually in Japan with her, along with Bailey as well. Um, so I mean, you know, I am happy to see uh, Mercedes doing well and doing so much. For herself and chasing after what's going to make her uh, happy and make her the most amount of bloody money that she can get, but do not incorporate that into your name and then spell it wrong. Just try, and I don't know, use your real name because it sounds cooler than Moan or Manet. It just sounds awful. I agree. I agree with you. Like in the, in the aspect of like, I like the name Mercedes Vernado. I think it's cool sounding. It's different. You know, it's just Mercedes Vernado. You know, if you, if you would hear like an announcer say it, it sounds cool. You know, I, I don't know anything kind of what's going on with Mercedes herself, you know, in terms of potential trademarks or things of such, but you know, she chose to go with a different stage name per se, but you know, everybody's going to look and feel at it different, but I just, I think her, Legit name sounds awesome. Yeah. And it, it's just one of those things that, you know, I, I can scream to the heavens. It's just not going to make it so. But I hopefully, you know, people will criticize that terrible move. Uh, and she will, I don't know, use a DDT as her finisher just without the extra steps. I, I just don't think it's needed. I think it has such high chance for failure. And when you look at some of the moves that uh, some of the wrestlers do use for finishers, they're not so slow. Like, they don't... If they're slow, they're powerful moves. But this is a DDT at the end. Like, let's face it, the Rainmaker is just a ripcord, a ripcord lariat. Like, that, that's all that is. Um... The hidden blade's just an elbow to the back of the head. Like, you know, these these are fast impact moves, high impact moves are, are slow moves with big force. Like, this is just a rest hold with the gory part, not even the gory bomb. It's just, you know, the rest hold. Let them down, then DDT them. 
like it, it, it it's i'm sure somebody's gonna you know probably explain why it's a really really good move at some point but for now it doesn't match the it doesn't match the fashion style that her character is going for and i think it doesn't mesh well and i think it just looked terrible on her debut I think when it comes to a finishing move, that's the last thing that you're going to hit on your opponent before you get that three count, uh, as opposed to a submission, for example. But that's the thing. That's the last thing they see before you kind of raise your hand in victory. You would ideally want a move that you can hit on everyone and kind of you have a high success rate and it looks smooth, for example. So this particular one, you know, not to say it's just it can be a, a little bit more of a convoluted one so more practice when folks can do it i hopefully she'll be a lot smoother and they can kind of do that but i guess my concern would be if you have kind of bigger opponents maybe i know sasha can be strong but maybe i don't know if it's something she can hit on everyone and can be smooth every time but i'm hoping for the best and like you said hoping for the best if you call back to our very first episode we talked about sasha mercedes herself and trinity uh, Naomi in WWE walking out on WWE and we've talked about in that episode as well as a uh, follow-up one on the AEW women's division we want what's best for these guys and gals and we want better and I think WWE as well as AEW we've talked in the past last year have opportunities with how they book the women and how they do storylines and stuff like that so now to see one of the sort of bigger names in a sort of women's wrestling kind of take it onto herself and kind of try to lead her own journey or try to do what's best for her hey that's sort of in our mantra that we again we want the best for these guys and gals and you know notwithstanding whether you enjoyed the segment whether you didn't whether you're neutral about it like i said our takeaways she made a huge impact and hopefully she continues to be successful going forward 100 all right so those were our thoughts and notions on mercedes monet uh, ms mercedes vernado's debut in new japan pro wrestling at wrestle kingdom 17 let us know your thoughts down in the comment section below on youtube or hit us up on twitter instagram and let us know what your thoughts are on mercedes monet's debut All right, coming up to Quick Hits. For some of the newer listeners slash watchers, Quick Hits are little segments that we enjoyed throughout the week that we may not have gotten an opportunity to discuss in a full-fledged topic, but we wanted to share and we wanted to tell you about the sort of Pop the Boys segment that we happen to have. My man, Joker. I have grumblings and I hear that you, sir, have a Quick Hit for this week. I do. I do, and anybody that watched uh, WWE SmackDown will know exactly what this is. It is another section in uh, the ongoing saga of Sami Zayn is the best part of this show, aka the Bloodline storyline. Um, yeah, it. I don't really need to say any much more than that, but we will talk about it here. Um, we start off with the the SmackDown show. Uh, we have. Our boys, the Bloodline, coming out to wreck the show yet again, like they did on uh, like they did on Raw. However, this time, the big dog, the needle mover, the man himself, Roman Reigns, comes out to share in some of the action and uh, cut a uh, cut a promo for us. Now he uh, 
gets the uh, gets the city to acknowledge him as per usual. And uh, Dan says that he wants uh, wants to hear what the honorary Us has to say. So he kind of lets Sammy talk for a little bit. What Sammy says is not really the crux of what I want to kind of point out, though. It's what happens after when Roman Reigns accuses Sami Zayn of trying to be the head of the table by calling his shot. He called the win. The, the loss is not what's important to him because he didn't lose. Roman Reigns was not pinned. He wasn't even in the ring. It was Sami that got pinned, and Sami got pinned by Kevin Owens. So Roman's annoyed that he called a shot and said that you're trying to be the, the tribal chief. Do you want to be? Why are you trying to be me? And getting in Sami's. And Sami was backing up. And you saw Jimmy and Jay and Solo, Solo standing there like, I really don't care. I've just been sent here by the elders. Just pay me my money and I'll be on my way. And Jimmy and Jay are just like off to the side going, ooh, as typical Uso fashion. So Sammy backs up, backs up, and then all of a sudden, Kevin Owens comes out to the ring. Sorry. So Kevin comes out to the ring and starts giving uh, heat to Mr. Roman Reigns. Just yet again, this is Kevin Owens being Kevin Owens, stirring mis misdeeds and all this here. And I loved it. And I saw it uh, and just thought that this was, uh, this was more uh, fuel to the fire that was this relationship. But the, have been, the, the seeds have been sown, uh, as, as they say. So later on down the line, we see Sami Zayn in the back trying to get into the locker room of Roman Reigns, the bloodline, where he normally likes to go and hang out. And Mr. Uh, Mr. Wiseman comes out and, you know, oh, nope, not letting you in. It's not this. It's not the same thing as half. He's like, nope, he's too angry. He's not seeing you. At which point, Jimmy and Jay turn up. And they just both, even Jimmy didn't give him, give him like, they both looked at Sammy and were like, mm-mm. Kind of give a handshake to, to Mr. Paul, uh, the wise man, and walked right on in. Sammy's heartbroken at this point. Like, Sammy does not know what to do. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So later on, down the line, again, we run. And uh, we see into this locker room, Mr. Roman Reigns himself eventually says to Paul Heyman, get me Sammy. Wants to talk to uh, the honorary use, apparently. So Sammy eventually comes to the room. He's like, oh, sheepish. Like, you know, you want to see me? You know, he's a bit, bit sheepish. You know, we love sheepish Sammy here because it's always funny to see how, how detracted he can be and just, you know, how scared because he's great at it. And Roman surprises everyone because he listens to Sammy's apology. He listens to Sammy and he says, I'm not accepting your apology. And at, the, at that point, I was like, yes, he's going to punch him in the face and he's going to just throw him out the door and everything's going to be trashed. And Roman surprised me by going, because no one should have to be out there and be talked to the way you were talked to. The things that were said to you were wrong. 
I am sorry, and my mind is blown. Roman Reigns, the needle mover, is a poly- What kind of mind game chicanery are you pulling? What is going on? And Sammy's just kind of like, even Paul, whenever Roman said, I'm not accepting your apology, kind of looked at Sammy, went, run, run now. Like, look, the, the eyes bugged out. And everybody would just kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Eventually, the, the Usos, who have left for their match already, their, their music comes out and Sammy goes, Sammy tries to leave and he's like, no, 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 no. Roman stops and goes, sit down, we'll watch it from here, it's fine. I am absolutely mesmerized by what's going on with what happened and transpired in this little two-minute segment. I was, I was expecting something that I didn't get, but what I did get was just hilarious. And then we get some more. It was during the Usos match with the unfortunately named Banger Bros. Yes, that's their name. Seamus and Drew McIntyre. Please change that immediately. We don't like that. We really, really don't like that. We can't copyright that. <laughs> um, we, uh, we see little cuts back to the, uh, back to the dressing room. Sammy somehow has popcorn. And it looks like they're talking, you know, Sammy's, you know, cheering on, he's eating some popcorn, and he offers some to Roman. And Roman kind of looks at it, and Sammy's not paying attention, he's just looking at the screen, he offers something to Roman, Roman looks at it, looks at the wise man, looks at the popcorn, back to the wise man, he's like, I'm not eating that. You know, then Sammy just takes back popcorn, not, not plus around, and just kind of starts eating the popcorn again. And then the very next one, we see they all have popcorn. The wise man sat there on the, the, the chair just numbing away and Mr. Roman Reigns is leaning forward watching the match as he's going on. And Sammy and all is just... Oh. The little five to ten second segments that we get in between these matches uh, is hilarious. Like it, Without words, they have managed to just tell us a story of Sammy, who was sheepish at the beginning, kind of thaws out a little bit and becomes back to his normal self and then manages to bring the tribal chief back around yet again. And then as if to just top off the entire show, we see Sami Zayn celebrating after the Usos retain their tag team titles by chucking popcorn around the room and Roman Reigns laughing and just everything is right with Sami Zayn's world. The roller coaster of emotions that we were on during this episode of SmackDown was ridiculous. Oh yeah, it took them two hours to tell that story, and I loved every second of it. It's I it's a callback to sort of Attitude Era ish things when we'd have this kind of storyline thread throughout the entire episode of a Raw or SmackDown, for example. So it's a nice little kind of touch there, and I th- it reminded me kind of at the beginning and sort of how it began and ended, like the sitcoms like from the '90s where you know you'd start. And then there'd be like the conflict or whatever. But by the end of the episode, it's we're right back to where we were and kind of everything is cool. So it was kind of like, oh, you know, we had that sort of uh, episode of the week kind of conflict. And then but things are good. Now that you mentioned that, though, whenever you mentioned sitcom, I can just imagine them freeze framing it as, as Sammy's just throwing popcorn and then the theme music hits. <laughs> <laughs> Executive producer, Paul Levesque. There you go. So. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I, I smell an edit somewhere. Please do that for me if you could. <laughs> so, there. 
but I'm, I'm in agreement. like uh, this whole journey uh, throughout the episode, but what I, I'm in agreement, man, what, what killed it for me is those, those small cutaways during the Uso match. It's like, you know, we see him back there and then Sammy has the popcorn and then uh, Roman has a popcorn. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, it's just, you, you saw, you saw them do so much with no dialogue or whatever, or barely anything. And then those cutaways that they just gave you everything you needed to know. And I was like, Oh, they, they patched up their relationship. So kudos to them. Yeah, it was amazing. I think what was really funny for me was we had barred on commentary mentioning the tribal chief doesn't eat popcorn. And then after the next, I was like, Hey Cole, can we get popcorn on the desk? <laughs> was like, well, there we oh, go. Yeah. The little, the little thing. I love the heel commentator. I think it's a silly dynamic that, uh, that some people do well. And Wade Barrett is one of those guys that does it well. Um, but that little addition at the end of them all having popcorn, um, it sent me. It was really, really good. Yeah. They kind of like found com- common ground, but it was with popcorn. So that was good. So. Exactly. Yeah. Just a really another just kind of fun kind of segmented journey and just little story beats with the bloodline for those that have been following us and a good amount of our shorts have just highlighted the, just to kind of the storytelling aspect of these little moments. Again, these guys just knock it out of the park with their little facial expressions, a little bit of interactions, one another these, And this was just another kind of just fun element in the ever going on incredible story. That is Sami Zayn within the bloodline. So kudos for sure. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely no problem. I just hope that there is more to this and I can't wait to see it. All right. So those were our quick hit for the week. If you have a quick hit from this week, let us know down in the comment section below or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know if you had a moment that you enjoyed or your quick hit from this week in the world of professional wrestling. All right. So that about wraps it up for us, Joker. This was another fun one for here to start the new year off. How was it for you, bud? I got to talk about some stuff that, you know, made me laugh, some stuff that I really enjoyed, and some stuff that pissed me off. I, I, I thought it was a mixed bag. It was all good. I loved it. What about yourself? We certainly ran the gamut today, for sure. It's not oftentimes that we get to kind of talk about New Japan, for sure. Obviously, we, we've touched on some of the kind of bigger pieces throughout the previous year, um, be that with the G1 and kind of a little bit of uh, pieces here. But obviously, with Wrestle Kingdom in the first week of January, obviously being the big show, the WrestleMania, if you will, for the kind of large-scale production that they New Japan has, we both enjoyed it. It was certainly a little bit more of a reasonable hour for you. It was absolutely the middle of the night for me, but I still stayed up to kind of watch a good number of it live. But yeah, man, just great matches from these from these shows. And like we aforementioned, we tried to give you a little bit of a taste, but if you can, feel free to watch these shows. And uh, it's nice to kind of spread our wings. A number of the shows have been elements from... WWE and AEW so to kind of cover something a little bit different and try to get perspective and got a little bit of a worldwide view was was kind of fun and uh, you know I was digging it and it was definitely the highlight for this week for me oh, 100% I mean we, we've had quick hits or rather I've had quick hits from uh, G1 Climax and stuff from before uh, you know I, I have paid attention to what's been going on uh, with with some of NJPW um, so, like you said, it's really good to talk about something that isn't Chris Jericho, MJF, Roman Reigns, uh, John Cena, Kevin Owens. You know, the, the, you know, 
the same guys. Um, and it, it's really good to see those things. And, you know, many apologies to Shingo Takagi for not remembering his name, but, you know, still, uh, I'll not soon forget it now. <laughs> it's all good. It's one of those things, again, like you said, there's a, it's a big world in professional wrestling. You know, we're, we're both kind of spending a good amount of time watching the, a little bit more of the stuff that we can see a little bit more readily, ergo WWE and AEW. But like we mentioned, we talked about some stuff here it, for New Japan and wrestling in Japan is huge. I had a quick hit last year about a AAA uh, piece. So, I mean, like there's just great wrestling everywhere around the world so if you have the if you're interested there's a lot of wrestling out there for folks to check out and this is just a small piece of something that's a little bit different than what we covered so we hope you were able to take something out of it or maybe uh sparked your interest in something 100 all right so for tf joker cody rhodes for royal rumble confirmed perhaps and for me, Pretty Tony, we want to thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Happy New Year. Peace.